This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. Do you want to dive deeper into this story? Do you want to get episodes early and listen without ads? Well, you get all of that and more for as little as $5 a month. Go to dakotaspotlight.com and check out Spotlight Plus. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Wallner. This is episode eight of Call Me Shelley, the mysterious disappearance of Michelle Juleson. By the way, if this is your first time listening, or if you've not listened to episodes one through seven of this season, I recommend that you start there. In this episode, an interview with Shelley's son, Jaden Woodworth. On August 2nd, 1994, Jaden was three and a half years old when his mother dropped him off at his grandparents, then disappeared. Today, he's 31. Jaden speaks with me about some of his hazy memories of his mother, about growing up without her, about his father and grandparents, and more. And we will be talking about something else in this episode, too. In 2019, Jaden's father, Kevin Woodworth, met with Bismarck police investigators again to talk about Shelley's disappearance. The meeting didn't go so great. Bismarck PD put Kevin in an interview room and pressed him, looking for a confession. They pressed pretty hard until finally, Kevin Woodworth abruptly stood up, said, We are done, and walked out of the Bismarck PD in utter frustration. And why did he storm out? Why the frustration? It was all over a specific detail about Shelley's disappearance, a small yet very important detail I'll be telling you all about. And by the end of this episode, I believe you'll understand what I mean when I say, had I been Kevin Woodworth in that very situation, I would have done the exact same thing. I would inform the detectives that I was done speaking with them, I'd stand up, and I'd walk out. In fact, I'd probably never return. All that coming up in this episode of Dakota Spotlight. How would you get abducted from 140 American to 300 block East Broadway without somebody seeing it on a Tuesday afternoon? I think something happened to her. I think somebody took her. You need to call the police and you need to get yourself a protection order. Burnt Creek Club. Bartender at the Burnt Creek Club. Told her any time after 2 o'clock she could stop by and pick him up and she never did show. And I was specifically looking for that car, Shelly's car was one of the group allegedly harassing Shelley at the bar. But there was two, two railroad workers, and I thought they talked to one. I first attempted to contact Shelley's son, Jaden Woodworth, several weeks ago. I was unable to get a hold of him, and I soon learned from his grandparents that Jaden was incarcerated. I then wrote him a letter in jail, only to have it returned to me. I just missed him. He'd been released on parole to a transition facility in Bismarck. One day recently, my phone rang. I picked up, and a voice I didn't recognize asked, Is this James Walner? This is Jaden Woodworth. We spoke briefly that day and set up a time for an interview. Here he is. I've, I've just made some mistakes, and, and uh, it ended up getting me locked up for a little while. 
but uh, uh kind of got my kind of got my head in the right area and big hopes for the future and keep my butt out of trouble sounds like a good plan you uh as you told me yesterday you fled from was it law enforcement in some situation or something like that yeah I fled in a motor vehicle we wish you the best moving forward we're not here to talk about your criminal record really we're here to talk <laughs> about your missing mother shelly Juleson. tell us about what memories you have of your mother if any at all i remember her trailer i remember playing in the yard there on the stairs a couple times things like that um i know there was uh there was a vehicle out front that I used to play in, I guess, every once in a while. I always used to call it my car. <laughs> and uh, I I don't remember a whole lot of my mom, I guess. When you think back in your mind, like, do you have a recollection of her, her voice, her face, anything? Um, I'm just curious. Um, a couple of things that stand out, I guess, is right. I remember being in the car with her. At one time, and then um, I remember uh, telling her I was going to run away, and uh, jumped up, jumped on my my trike, and made it maybe half a block, and she chased me down. <laughs> Tell us about what you think of the podcast, how anything you've learned new, or just how it's affected you. What you think about all this? I mean, I can't really imagine what it would be like for you. You know, it it was kind of shocking when I came across it. You know, I was just farting around on my phone, and I was I came across uh, what was it, Inforum? Yeah, I found I found uh, I think it was episode four, and I was I was actually pretty blown away that that there was a whole podcast on it. I ended up uh, jumping on my my podcast app, and I I found you know the Dakota Spotlight, and then I I listened to it from there. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's uh. I guess there's some stuff that I didn't really, really know. Let's talk about your father. We talked about a lot on the podcast, and he did not speak with me. So what's your take on the way, you know, your father's been portrayed, I guess you could say, in the podcast versus your experience with him? Well, my dad, um, growing up, he did he did everything he could. Um, spent as much time with me as he could. I guess I I wish he would have spent a little more time with me at times, but you know he worked. He's single dad. Um, spent a lot of time with my grandfather as well, but um, oh, he's he's he was good to me. I've never known my dad ever to be to be abusive or anything like that. And I mean, I've I, through the years I've pushed his buttons a lot, <laughs> and yeah, and I mean he's he's had his hands full with me. But yeah, he's always taken taken good care of me, and you know, um, he's cared a lot. In the podcast, you know, Shelley's friends talk about he was abusive towards her. That doesn't resonate really with your experience. It sounds like no, I can't I can't speak for him. I guess and and just say you know like that can't be. But it's not. It doesn't fit my dad from you know the person I know. Have you spoken with law enforcement? I I spoke with a detective. Um, I want to say it was 2018 or the you know in the middle there, and um, they had spoken with my dad beforehand, and uh, you know it was 
they were basically more or less trying to get a confession out of him from what it sounded like. And that's when he was like, no way, like I'm out of here. And, uh, I spoke to my dad before I, before I had gone and he's, he's like, you know, these guys want to talk to you and we'll let you know about this and whatever. And then he's like, uh, like, I don't really think you should go, but I went and, uh, you know, they, they had told me a lot of different stuff and, um, the one thing that they, they had told me as well, they said that, uh, my father and my grandfather had reported my mother missing the same day at, or the day that they claimed her disappearing. Okay. At the top of this episode, I mentioned to you that Kevin Woodworth more or less stormed out of an interview with Bismarck PD in 2019. I also said that I would have done the same thing. We'll get back to Jaden in a minute, but I want to dive into this now as it all relates to what Jaden just said. And what did Jaden just say? He said that law enforcement told him that his father and grandfather reported his mother missing later the same day she dropped off Jaden and vanished. The reason investigators focused on this, and curiously they still focus on it to this day, is that it is felt that to report Michelle Shelley Juleson as missing just hours after she was expected home would be far too early, because Shelley was routinely late. Reporting her early like this would be suspicious, they feel. And in this case, I have to agree. Knowing what we've learned about Shelley, it would be a bit early, and perhaps it would be suspicious to report her missing just six hours after she was expected to return. But here's the thing. It's not true. They didn't report her missing six hours after she was expected back. They reported her missing the next day, in fact, the next evening, some 33 hours after she dropped off Jaden at his paternal grandparents'. That is according to all the initial investigative work done by Detective Walls, Cliff Emmert, Julie Thompson, Lieutenant Heinley, Officer Shibley, and others, all documented in the original police reports, in newspaper articles, and even in the original missing persons report itself. It's all laid out clearly in Shelley's file. According to the original police reporting, Shelley dropped off Jaden on Tuesday, August 2nd at 12.30 p.m. Then, Kevin and his father reported her missing on Wednesday, August 3rd, at about 9 p.m. in the evening. Last seen Tuesday, reported missing Wednesday, not six hours, 33 hours later. But that's not what investigators told Jaden in recent years. No, they basically said something along the lines of, Hey, your dad reported your mom missing just hours after she was expected home. That's suspicious. And that's what investigators threw in front of Kevin Woodworth's face during a long interview in 2019, just before he stormed out in frustration. This also documented in Shelley's cold case file. Now, granted, in that 2019 interview, there were many other things they wanted to talk to Kevin about first. And in that interview, before they bring this up, Kevin acknowledges, in fact, he tells them, his memory is very fuzzy. They're talking about events that happened some 27 years earlier. He basically says, hey man, I can't keep all this stuff straight in my head. So the investigators try to refresh his memory. They push Kevin pretty hard, suggesting it's time for him to confess. Kevin tells him again, as he's always maintained, that he had nothing to do with it. So they drop a type of bombshell on him. They say, look, Kevin, we know you called us the same day she went missing. 
Then something very interesting happens. Kevin's memory might be shady on some things, but what's obvious in the interview report is that he is in no way confused or uncertain about this detail. He might not know exactly when they called the police, but he knows this. It sure as hell wasn't the same day Shelley dropped Jaden off at his parents' house. But when Kevin, without hesitation, protests and attempts to correct the detectives, they cut him off, they interrupt him, won't let him finish, they won't listen, they lean in even more, basically telling him to stop lying. And then Kevin has had enough. He stands up, says, we're done, and he walks out. And as I said, I would have done the same thing in his position because there's nothing in any of the original reporting that indicates that the Woodworths reported Shelley missing the same day. That narrative evolves later over time and comes into sharp focus in 2016. Eventually, it becomes a central point in investigators' theories about what might have happened to Shelley, theories that point to Kevin. Now, retired police officer Rob Carvel spoke with us in a previous episode about his 2016 reinvestigation. Carvel put a huge amount of work into this case and perhaps tried as hard or harder than anyone before him to find answers. He acknowledges that he only looked at the Kevin and Richard angle of this case. He didn't touch Rick Snell or railroad workers, for example. Here he is with that interview with Dakota Spotlight. You know, I, I honestly personally did not look at them. I just, I just, uh, boy, once I got on Kevin, it was, I thought that. It is first during Carvel's investigation in 2016 and in interviews he conducts with people 22 years after the fact that the day of Tuesday, August 2nd, begins to take on a different shape in the Shelley Juleson cold case file. I recently reached out to Rob Carvel to get a comment on all this. He maintains that he still believes that they likely reported her missing the same day, that is, Tuesday. He says he recalls it being too early. After all, perhaps you will recall that he is the patrolman who responded to the initial call for service in 1994, and he himself filed the initial missing persons report. Certainly, we feel he should know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Carvel acknowledged to me last week in an email that he knows memory fades over time, but he simply recalls it likely being Tuesday. However, as I stated, nothing in the original reporting supports this. Now, can I prove with 100% certainty that the Woodworths did not call the same day? I suppose not. I mean, I don't have the Woodworths' phone records or anything like that. But here are just some of the things I do have. Things that would clearly demonstrate that Richard and Kevin Woodworth reported Shelley missing on Wednesday and not Tuesday, as law enforcement would tell Jaden and accuse Kevin of some 22 years later. Number 1. The original missing persons report, reported by Rob Carville himself, it states the reported date as 8394 at 2140. That is Wednesday at 9:40 p.m., not Tuesday. To see a copy of that, go to inform.com/callmeshelly, all in one word. inform.com/callmeshelly. Number 2, on Saturday, August 6, 1994, that is 4 days later. At a time when Linda Julson's recollections of the events surrounding her daughter's disappearance would be very fresh. The Bismarck Tribune published an article which states the following, quote, Mrs. Juleson said Kevin Woodworth called her and her husband Wednesday night about the same time as they reported 
the disappearance to the police. Unquote. Number three, in a different article that first week, Detective Walls, the lead investigator on this case, told the Bismarck Tribune that the Woodworths reported Shelley missing on Wednesday at 9.40. Number four, when Carvel first responded to the Woodworths' call for service, he was told that before calling the police, they had spoken with Tony, the bartender at Burnt Creek Club. When Tony is interviewed at length by police just a few days later, he says the Woodworths called him on Wednesday. There are several other clear indicators and clues in Shelley's file that point to Wednesday, but what I feel is perhaps the most telling in all of this are the initial interviews performed that first week with the two very people that reported Shelley missing, Kevin and Richard Woodworth. They recount a clear timeline. She drops off Jaden Tuesday, but does not return. Richard and his wife try calling Shelley at home that evening, and up until midnight, no answer. They continue to call her the next day, Wednesday, with no luck. Then they call Kevin after his work shift and tell him what's going on. They speak to some of Shelley's co-workers, but nobody's seen her. Then they decide they should report her missing. Kevin and Richard recount this timeline to the police just days after the fact, and nowhere in those interviews do Walls or Emmert or Thompson challenge or correct them. They never say, what do you mean Wednesday? You called us Tuesday. Is it any wonder that Kevin Woodworth stormed out of the Bismarck Police Department in 2019? After this short break, law enforcement's reactions to my findings in regards to this date discrepancy, and much, much more from Shelley Juleson's son, Jaden Woodworth. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi again, it's me, James. I just want to tell you about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to the Dakota Spotlight podcast that allows you to listen to these same episodes without ads, and you get access to them before anyone else. Your subscription will also unlock access to exclusive episodes, the Spotlight Plus newsletter, videos, pictures, documents, and more. All at the same time, you will be supporting me and Dakota Spotlight. Please check out Spotlight Plus by going to dakotaspotlight.com. Thank you for your support. When I contacted Rob Carvel recently about these discrepancies that I found, he offered some explanations as to why he believes Shelley's cold case file doesn't reflect the timeline as he recalls it. Regarding the initial missing persons report that he himself filed, he believes he simply wrote down the wrong date. And since he wrote down the wrong date, he suggests that Detective Walls may have thereby passed along the wrong date to the Bismarck Tribune. However, when I first brought up this date discrepancy to Carvel and the present-day Bismarck PD, when I attempted to explain that all the original police work and reporting point to Wednesday, I was told, no, the Woodworths must have reported her missing Tuesday, because, they said, Detective Walls started working on this case the next day, and he started on it on Wednesday afternoon. So, they submitted, 
How could Sergeant Walls be working on it Wednesday afternoon if the Woodworths didn't report her missing until Wednesday night? That statement, however, is 100% inaccurate and false. The police file clearly demonstrates that Detective Walls started working on it on Thursday afternoon, not Wednesday. When I submitted these facts, however, it was then suggested to me that perhaps Walls didn't start working on it the first day. Maybe it was two days later. Now, this detail about when Shelley was reported missing, it might seem a bit trivial to some. James, why are you focusing on this so sharply, some might ask. After all, this does not clear Kevin or his father from any potential involvement in Shelley's disappearance. Investigators will likely continue to consider Kevin a person of interest, regardless if they reported her missing Tuesday or Wednesday. And that may be true, but... Correcting this part of the narrative does make a huge difference for someone else. In fact, for two people, Jaden Woodworth and his father, Kevin. Kevin, for obvious reasons. When I showed up at Kevin's doorstep several weeks ago, he declined to speak with me for this podcast. In fact, he seemed upset. He said, I've said everything I'm ever going to say about it. I now understand why he's frustrated and for good reason. In his mind, why should he talk if no one's going to listen? Before leaving Kevin's front yard that day, I handed his wife an envelope. In it was a copy of the original missing persons report with Wednesday, August 3rd, 1994, written in the little box labeled Date Reported. I suggested to his wife they hang on to that piece of paper. But all of this makes a big difference for Jaden Woodworth, too. As we know, Jaden Woodworth lost his mother in August of 94. He grew up without a mother and was raised by his father. But over the last few years, he's been estranged from his father, too. The full story about what brought him to this point is complex, but one of the reasons leads back to this detail. This motherless son was given inaccurate information by detectives. In essence, without any proof, what they relayed to Jaden was, your dad and grandfather reported are missing the same day. Therefore, your dad's behavior is suspicious. Essentially, Jaden, your dad might have killed your mom. To say that this statement changed Jaden and Kevin's relationship is putting it mildly. How does that make you feel today, learning that police told you and your father that? You know, it, it made me look at my dad a lot differently for the time being. Um, until finding finding this out, you know, it it, it made made it seem very suspect. And um, I I was dealing with a lot at the time. You know, I I was dealing with my own my own stuff, and it just uh, it all compiled onto one thing. You know, and I remember <laughs> when I spoke with them, I was just just heading out to the oil field and. Uh, you know, pretty much made a pit stop to do this. So I had all this, all this information thrown at me that I couldn't even really, really take the time to, to comprehend it, it. It made me feel pretty empty at the time. I mean, it was like, it was, it was kind of a wow moment, you know, it, it broke my heart in a way. It made your, made you suspect your own father, correct? Yes, yes, it definitely, it affected the way that I looked at my dad and, and what I've, what I've been told and, and believed, I guess, you know, and there was a, there was a lot of distrust, really, you know, these are the people that, 
are supposed to be my protector from from a young age up and and you know um it was uh, a very confusing confusing time for me you know when is the last time you spoke to your father oh uh probably eight months ago i've been locked up for a little while here um yeah i spoke with him i think four days after i i went to court and, and got sentenced to prison so um yeah it wasn't wasn't very good you know but he's helped me out at times where i've needed it and uh you know i'm it's not my proudest moment but sometimes i took that for granted and and uh i definitely shouldn't have so i mean i got some i got some apologizing to do and you know actions speak louder than words so i gotta just keep my butt out of trouble i mean this is it's gotten it's gotten to be a, enough I'd like to note here that I passed along what Jaden told me to Rob Carvel. As I said, he still feels that the Woodworths called the same day, but he made this statement in a recent email. Quote, If I caused a rift between father and son, however, it is regrettable, and I apologize. Unquote. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a conman. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder. All this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. I asked Jaden Woodworth about his grandfather, Richard, who is now deceased. You know, he's always been really good to me. Um, and I think it might be because he made a lot of mistakes with his own kids. I don't know. He, yeah, he was, he was kind of a jerk, I guess. Um, Do you think he could be responsible for your mother's disappearance? I mean, that's a hard one to, to say. I've asked the question to a couple of the... Uh, I asked my aunt at one time, and she said, God, no. And um, I don't know. He's, you know, he's pretty verbal, pretty verbally abusive at times. Um, you know, him and my grandma, they get into it sometimes. But the most I've ever seen him do is break a dish or, you know, slam around some furniture. But nothing, nothing too, besides, besides being pretty, pretty verbal at times, you know. Did you ever talk about your mother with your grand Richard and your pater paternal grandparents? A couple times when I was younger, I guess, um, maybe up up into my teens. But uh, um, he kind of he kind of pitched that whole whole kidnapped by bikers thing to me, and you know when when I when he threw that at me, I was like, no, <laughs> I was like highly highly unlikely. 
you know, but I, I mean, I've, I've asked for, I've asked different questions over the years and I ever was, was told was the, the last time that anybody had seen her was we fest and, and whatever. And, you know, that was kind of, kind of where that ended. Um, besides the, the whole, uh, unlikely scenario of being kidnapped by bikers. Wow. I can't imagine what it's like growing up like that, being told, yeah, your mom went to a event and didn't come back or possibly was abducted. I mean, do you remember being a little kid thinking which one you would, which version of that you would have preferred? You know, I, I did struggle with it a little bit, um, through elementary school and, uh, not so much, I guess, in the, in the middle school and all that, but, uh, you know, she was, she was a part of my life and then she wasn't. And then it was just my dad and I and my grandparents and, you know, it, it was, it was a hard thing to, to grasp, I guess, or to like accept. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't really remember grieving, I guess, too hard on it or like, um, it be, being too much of a problem at the time. But I mean, looking back, um, I think it's caused a lot more, more grief than, than I anticipated or that I, that I could understand. I'm sure you're right. Like kids are great at adapting and probably w what you had to do. I tried to look at it as a more positive thing. Um, my mom might have might have really saved me by dropping me off at my grandparents if you know something had happened to her from from point A to point B. You know, like if she would have just decided to take take me along and and go run her errands or whatever, who knows if I'd even be here. I didn't realize until now, looking back, you know, it caused caused me a lot of a lot of different feelings that I didn't quite understand either. Um, it's it's a different situation, you know. It's it's uh, strange to me that it's you know it's my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be the person who's you know to hear this podcast the first time and you know that's your mom we're talking about i just can't imagine speaking of your maternal grandparents wes and linda how was that listening to them on the podcast and tell us about them you know they're they're just they're great people they're they're such awesome people and uh they've <clears throat> They spent a lot of time with me, you know, as much as they could. Holidays, everything from, you know, when I was younger, they they were always around. And it's kind of on me right now as far as getting to see them and stuff. Um, they're getting up in age, but hearing them on the podcast, yeah, I kind of, you know, <laughs> honestly, it, it made me tear up pretty good because uh, they're just they're just such sweet people. I, I love them a lot. I think I, I think I kind of owe it to him to get my stuff together here and let this be the, the last time that I'm I'm in this kind of situation because you know I'm 
I'm 31. This is getting old. I'm not, I'm not very proud of where I'm at right now, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm moving forward. So. In my interview with Tony Holm, Shelley's on-again, off-again boyfriend, he told us that he used to babysit Jaden. I asked Jaden if he remembered Tony. He thinks he does, although he's not 100% certain it was him. He just remembers waking up one day at his mother's trailer. Walking out in the living room, and, and I, there's this guy sitting on the, on the couch, you know, and I don't know. I don't know if I was, like, afraid of him or... Or whatever i just i don't know if i i liked him it was it was just a moment where like i i seen this dude and i turned around and just went back to my room and that's that's all that's about all i remember of that but i just remember seeing somebody who you know obviously wasn't my dad and my mom wasn't there i think i was more more expecting to come out and my mom to be out there you know i asked Jaden more about his thoughts on things i reported in this podcast the whole Rick Snell thing was kind of, uh, I mean, that seemed kind of, kind of like a lead. I mean, um, especially with his, with his record and stuff. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, him not returning to work during the time of her, her being gone. And then, you know, her car, her car showing up and it'd be interesting to, to talk to him about it or, or whatever, but I don't know from what it sounded like. It sounded like he was, uh, he's kind of going through some mental stuff. In the police file, and according to Connor, he didn't talk to him. No one has shown him a picture of your mother or anything, to my knowledge. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, it would be interesting to talk to him and, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know, I guess, uh, for questions to be asked. Yeah, I'd like to show him a picture of your mother and her car and just see what he says. Recently, I sent a certified letter to the address listed for Rick Snell in Montana. I got the address from an online list of sex offenders. Those addresses are usually pretty well updated. The letter was returned to me, however, with the following information. Return to sender, no mail receptacle, unable to forward. I don't know if that means he does not live there, or if he just uses a P.O. box and the Postal Service wouldn't forward it. Perhaps Bismarck PD can sort that out and speak to this unturned stone, Mr. Rick Snell. Perhaps you will recall that there is a section of Shelley's file that is missing, 104 pages in all. These were removed just a few weeks after Shelley vanished, about the time she was reported being seen at WeFest in Minnesota. Lieutenant Myron Heinley instructed Detective Walls to remove the whole section of the report. I was really curious about the 104 missing pages you know from her from her report and that's uh that's a lot of information to be just gone you know that's that's a notebook (laughs) and no one seems to have an explanation uh your grandmother said linda says you know what does bismarck police department have to hide she went that far Right. And I mean, it went from, you know, Don Schaefer was, uh, was, uh, accused of harassing her at times and everything. And I mean, um, I don't know. He, you, him and, uh, what was it? Myron? Heinley. Yeah. They were the only ones that could have, could have, uh, 
I guess, uh, removed information like that too. And I mean, it's unfortunate that they're also deceased, but it would be, it would be very interesting to, to get that, that information and, and see what that was all about, you know, and why, why it's, why it's been removed. You know, I will, I will say one thing, um, is that I can't remember if my dad went along when they, they picked her car up from the police impound, but the one, another significant thing that my dad had said was that her, uh, her seat in her car was moved all the way back. And my mom was like, she was short. And, um, he's like, you know, and that could have been from them moving it around or whatever, uh, law enforcement or towing company, whatever. But I mean, said they noticed that that her seat was all the way back and stuff like you know like somebody bigger than her was possibly driving it yeah and it was the car was clean from what my my dad and my grandfather say too is that her car you know she always had like fast food bags and stuff laying around in it and all sorts of you know random stuff like that so she you know it was it wasn't a super tidy car at all times So you're saying when your dad saw it, not not at the Comfort Inn parking lot, but later after the police had it for a while, that it was it just yeah. seemed cleaner and the seat was moved back further than which does make sense maybe if if they drove it, someone would have to do that maybe, but Yeah. Jaden Woodworth's life, his trajectory, it's been quite different than mine and probably different from yours too. As Jaden stated himself, for a while his mother was part of his life, and then suddenly she just wasn't. He's gotten into some legal trouble, but as he told us, that's getting old, and he wants change now. And you do get the feeling that change is coming for Jaden Woodworth. One change now is that he has new information, corrected information, about when his dad and grandfather report his mother missing. A minor detail for others, but for him, life-changing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was such a that was a weird moment. Honestly, it, I didn't know how to really process that or feel about it, you know. And I even I even asked him about it, and I think he was very frustrated with the whole thing. And it just, you know, it sounds like they they looked at him pretty hard there and, and all that. But you know, my dad, my dad and I talked about this. Uh, one of the last times that him and I had spoke and um, you know he had stated to me he's like you know Jaden I never wanted to raise you on my own and he said it he definitely could have used my mom's help and he wanted her around you know it, he didn't want to raise, have to raise me on, on his own and it you know he did the best he could and he's always he's always done very well for me we had a pretty close relationship for a while there, and then I, you know, I started going down down a different path and um, making mistakes along the way. And you know, it's, like I said, I'm I'm 31 now, and it's about time I just I keep my keep my head in the right direction and surround myself with like-minded people that just you know want want good for me.
I'd like to thank Jaden for participating in this episode. Jaden, we all wish you well moving forward. As always, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time right here on the Coda Spotlight. Thank you for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.